This is Public Occurrences, both foreign and domestic. And now your host, Michael O'Fallon. Davos week for the quasi-religious totalitarian organization known as the World Economic Forum. It is also Davos week for all the world's major corporations, government officials, NGOs, education entities, and faith leaders. Because we are being transitioned rapidly from a real, objective, analog world and into a hyper-real, make-believe, radically subjective, digital world. And along with this... Our nations and our governance in the United States is being balkanized, fractured, and transitioned into an autocratic, neo-communistic, fascistic model. It's more or less the technotronic world as envisioned by Zbigniew Brzezinski in his book written in 1969, which is titled Between Two Ages, America's Role in the Technotronic Era. And this is where Brzezinski would write nearly 53 years ago, quote, the technotronic era involves the gradual appearance of a more controlled society. Such a society would be dominated by an elite, unrestrained by traditional values. Soon it will be possible to assert almost continuous surveillance over every citizen and maintain up-to-date complete files containing even the most personal information about the citizen. These files will be subject to instantaneous retrieval by the authorities. End quote. And also in the same book from 1969, once again, this book is 53 years old, Brzezinski would write, quote, In the technotronic society, the trend would seem to be towards the aggregation of the individual support of millions of uncoordinated citizens, easily within the reach of magnetic and attractive personalities, exploiting the latest communications techniques to manipulate emotions and control reason. End quote. In other words, what you are experiencing today is nothing that is new. The constantly shifting paradigms, the unstable monetary issues across the globe, the transitioning of energy sourcing and systems, the cancerous nation-dividing infusion of Marxism through identity politics and critical theory, the evolution of all faiths as they shred their old hermeneutic models and embrace radical subjectivism. The unfolding realization that the tech companies that you have been relying on for almost two decades are stealing your information, spying on you, and creating a virtual you based upon your likes and patterns of thinking. And the transformation of mankind into something else. Well, all of this has been strategically and logistically planned for an eventual all-hands-on-deck implementation for many decades. And the central hub by which these paradigm-shifting events are being coordinated, and by the way, it's right out in the open, is the World Economic Forum, which will be meeting this week, the third week of January, 2023, in Davos, Switzerland. And we have done several dedicated shows on different facets of the World Economic Forum over the last five years, but I wanted to put together a relatively brief, simple explanation of what the World Economic Forum is and what it does 
and what it hopes to achieve. Now, I understand that we can't go into everything about it, but I'm going to give you the basics today. And a good amount of this information will be coming from the World Economic Forum's own words and from the words of its founder, Klaus Schwab. So let's start with how the World Economic Forum describes itself. And this is from an article at the World Economic Forum entitled, The World Economic Forum at 50, a timeline of highlights from Davos and beyond, where it states, quote, In the early 1970s, the Cold War split the world while the Vietnam War split America. An oil crisis was looming and a German economics professor had a bright idea, end quote. And I want to interrupt here and say, well, it wasn't as if Klaus Schwab's bright idea was made in a singular vacuum. What else was going on? Well, President Richard Nixon took a unilateral decision to suspend the dollar-gold convertibility and the end of the first form of the Bretton Woods system, fixed interest rates and American dominance, was beginning to end. The move by the United States to both have good relations with the Communist Chinese Party and the development of China into a more national socialist model was underway, assisted by, of course, Henry Kissinger, Brzezinski, and several Rockefeller NGO types. There was also the failure of the attempt to run a cultural revolution model in the United States and America. And this was from the massive influence of critical theorist and cultural Marxist Herbert Marcuse to spark a revolution through playing identity politics. Well, that failed. And in France and Italy, it also had failed. In the UK, it never really got off the ground. It just became more of a fun cultural thing. And in the US, it was exemplified by the hippie movement and women's liberation. But it never really quite caught fire enough to extinguish the hegemonic culture that dominated the West, especially here in the United States. Now, this would lead Marcuse to write counter-revolution and revolt, and as well stated that what we really needed was a long march through the institutions, which is a slogan coined by communist student activist Rudy Deutschke around 1967 to describe his strategy, which is Gramscian, for establishing the conditions for revolution subverting society by infiltrating every single institution in our civilization, and in doing so, breaking the cultural hegemony that exists in Western civilization, and install a new Marxian-Marcusian hegemony in our world. So, Herbert Marcuse corresponded with Deutschke in 1971 to agree with this strategy. So, then in his book, Counter-Revolution Revolt, he wrote the following, quote, To extend the base of the student movement... Rudy Deutschke has proposed the strategy of the long march through the institutions, working against the established institutions while working within them. But not simply by boring from within, rather by doing the job. Learning how to program and read computers, how to teach at all levels of education, how to use the mass media, how to organize production, how to recognize and eschew planned obsolescence, how to design, etc., and at the same time, preserving one's own consciousness in working with others. The Long March includes the concerted effort to build up counter-institutions. They have long been an aim of our movement, but the lack of funds was greatly responsible for their weakness and their inferior quality. They must be made competitive. This is especially important for the development of radical free media. 
The fact that the radical left has no equal access to the great chains of information and indoctrination is largely responsible for its isolation, end quote. So Marcusa is recognizing, back in 1970 and 71, that their old way will not work. The revolution will not be sparked unless they take over and direct the institutions. He's also understanding that they actually need a lot more money behind them. Accepted and understood that the only way to have the Marxist methodologies win in a successful capitalist society. Well, that was necessary then to infiltrate and transition the pillars of culture. Corporations, production, finance, politics, media, technology, and religion. Infiltrate through entryism and create a mutually supportive network of the rest of society deciding what the new norm is for what was Western civilization as it becomes something new. So now, let's go back to the young Klaus Schwab, who was a student shaped and groomed by Henry Kissinger, who was as well groomed by Roman Catholic Marxist bishop Dom Helder Camara, and formed his group that would eventually be the World Economic Forum, and met in Davos, so that Klaus Schwab could introduce his synthesis model to corporate and government leaders called stakeholder capitalism. And one of the very important goals of the World Economic Forum is to transition the corporate world and economic structures of the world from capitalism to enviro-communo-fascism, or as James Lindsay likes to call it, neo-communism. Now, I still like to say enviro-communo-fascism because that does describe exactly what it is. But I know that James likes to make it a bit more simple and just calls it neo-communism. So World Economic Forum Council member Bill Thomas, who is the CEO of KPMG International, says on the World Economic Forum website, quote, the good of a business is defined not only by its financial success, but also by the impact it has on our environment and communities. He goes on to say, quote, but if you can't measure it, it's hard to change it. That is why comparable, transparent, and unified ESG-focused metrics are so important, end quote. Yes, ESG. Environmental, social, and governance. Environmental, in other words, what you're doing to make sure that you're adhering to all of the climate nonsense that's coming from COP26 and COP27 and all the regulations that are being imposed right now if you're driving the right kind of vehicle, if your carbon footprint is small. Social, if you are participating in all the movements such as Black Lives Matter, diversity, equity, inclusion, if you're ensuring that you do anything that you can to make sure that critical social justice is distributed in everything that you do, and governance, that you obey what the government tells you to do. So when those corporations partnering with the World Economic Forum say that ESGs rather than profits or more than profits should be the defining factor of a business's success, what they're advocating is a new way of doing business. Because 
In our old models, free markets depend on businesses offering something that consumers find of enough value that they're willing to pay cold hard cash to obtain. Free markets are clean, pure, and honest in that way. Now throw in environmental regulatory compliance. Now throw in Black Lives Matter agendas and critical race theory. Now throw in vaccine mandates from the government. And so what happens to those businesses and financial institutions that do not embrace stakeholder capitalism and take the ESG carrot? What happens to those? Well, they will get the stick instead of the carrot. If you don't play along. If you don't adopt ESG and sustainability practices religiously in your corporation, you will end up having banks and suppliers who will refuse to do business with you. And you will eventually be pushed out of business. So going back to World Economic Forum Council member Thomas, who states this, quote, by ensuring the market is fueled by accurate information, we can work towards fixing some societal inequities by harnessing the power of capitalism and refocusing it on long-term value creation, end quote. In other words, using the capital resources and good faith of the previous system of capitalism as you build neo-communism, as you put pressure on businesses who are saying that they are not going to participate in ESG, you start to separate them from their suppliers, from their creditors, by the banks that actually service them. You give them no choice. World Economic Forum Anand Mahindra writes on the World Economic Forum site, quote, Purpose-driven businesses are likely to be more resilient than those that do not embrace people and the planet. Investors recognize that. We support the World Economics effort to develop comprehensive ESG metrics and believe that this will be a step forward for a sustainable world. End quote. So the World Economic Forum, through their religious dedication to ESG metrics, performance standards, for every business are forcing businesses to be purpose-driven businesses. Their purpose is to make sure that every other business and supplier that they do business with is as well complying with ESG standards. In other words, ESG drives the neo-communist equity and enviro model of purpose-driven business. Businesses are no longer supposed to be motivated by profit. Businesses are no longer supposed to be caring about quality, standards that are passed down through their products and services. Businesses in the World Economic Forum's vision are to be purpose-driven for the purpose of sustaining an enviro-communo-fascist model. So more or less like Marxist versions of late 17th century Puritans. The neo-communist Puritans of the World Economic Forum and its partners will force behaviors. You've heard Larry Fink from BlackRock say that many times. Corporations will be forced to comply to the doctrinal standards of the World Economic Forum through ESG, or they will be punished. And so businesses, financial institutions, trade associations, and client-based services must both believe in the purposes of the World Economic Forum, teach others to obey the doctrinal standards of the World Economic Forum, and practice the beliefs of the World Economic Forum by adopting ESG and becoming apostles of the sustainability cult. Now, 
for all of this radical, insane, subjective neo-communism to actually be embraced by billions of people across the globe, embraced by enough that they would actually give up their freedoms and liberties and national sovereignty, you have to have an all-in strategy, which Herbert Marcuse was encouraging earlier, as Gramsci had first stated actually in the early 1920s, that you must control every pillar of cultural production in society, from education to mass media, to arts and entertainment, to religious faith, because the carrot of turning schools into a purpose-driven model of education that helps to teach the ESG metrics, of the mass media and news becoming purpose-driven to progressively shape the nation's opinions and teach the ESG metrics, of arts, TV, movies, all communicating nothing but woke themes, all associated with ESG and all entertainment becoming purpose-driven, of all faiths adjusting all of their doctrinal focus to teach environmental, social justice, and obedience to the government to become purpose-driven churches. Yes, that is what has been going on at the World Economic Forum to make sure that you have according to the doctrinal standards of the World Economic Forum, a purpose-driven life in accordance with a purpose-driven business, which is enforced by a purpose-driven government, with the purpose being to transform our world and conform it to the purposes of the World Economic Forum, which is to bring in enviro-communo-fascism without firing a shot. And so what is necessary... And what you will see at Davos this next week is not just a collection of CEOs and upper management of corporations like UPS, KPMG, Apple, Microsoft, Marriott, Toyota, Bank of America, Carnival Corporation, Delta Airlines, and many others, but you will also see government partners like John Kerry, Brian Kemp of Georgia, Mayor Suarez of Miami, Congressman Issa, the Prime Minister of the Netherlands, Chinese Communist Party members members of the UK Parliament. And you will also see faith representatives from the Roman Catholic Church, from Islam, from evangelical Christianity, like Rick Warren of the Southern Baptist Convention, who wrote The Purpose-Driven Life and The Purpose-Driven Church. And you will also have representatives of the arts and entertainment, like Leonardo DiCaprio, Emma Watson, and U2's Bono. Because you need them to convince the oblivious masses of the world to embrace the new cult of ESG and sustainability. As a matter of fact, you need them to drive the messaging. Because arts and entertainment all have to be in line with the new doctrinal standards of ESG, or else they won't get funding or distribution of their products. Same with faith leaders. They have to be in line with the new doctrinal standards of ESG, or else they won't have banks, or credit institutions that will process their giving from donors. And every nation must be in line with what is happening with ESG compliance, or else you will get left out in global trade. And that is why the World Economic Forum is the public-private partner with another globalist communist institution that is hell-bent on controlling the minds of men. The United Nations. Now, if this was the only issue that was facing us with the World Economic Forum, it would be enough to declare the World Economic Forum as an enemy of the United States and of freedom worldwide. But it is only part of the threat. 
the World Economic Forum does not just exist to change the economic systems of the world into a woke, critical theory-based, enviro-communo-fascist supranational state. No. That's just the tip of the iceberg. The World Economic Forum is here to change you to transition mankind into the hyperreal, to transition mankind into the next stage of evolution, transhumanism, man melding with machine, with robotics and technology that is beyond our wildest imagination, to transition humans into the hyperreal world of the digital metaverse, where what does not exist must be thought of as more real than real, where your every thought is held captive by technology, where privacy disappears, where cognitive liberty vanishes, and man becomes one with the new god of man's creation. Artificial intelligence. The centuries-old goal of the Gnostic Hermetic Enterprise, the realization of God through the God within us of mankind, the manifestation of the incarnation of the sovereign, omnipotent God made by human hands, who will the Luciferian God of the theosophic dreams into being, who will eliminate the nations, who will create the realization of the global brain, who will not just know your thoughts, but will give you good thoughts in place of your disobedient and bad thoughts. Because you will be indwelt with a new God made of human hands. And this new God will bring a new order to the world. And the corporations and financial institutions, the institutes of education, and the major faith leaders of the world will bend their knees and bow and conform their collective wills to the new God made of human hands. So everything of the old world must be put on the altar at Davos. All of our old way of doing things, our old economic structures, our old ways of knowing, our old cultures, our old nations, our old family structures, our old ways of feeding ourselves, all of these things must be put on the altar to the algorithmic God made by human hands as a sacrifice. And everyone must do this. There can be no dissenting voices. For in the founding documents of the World Economic Forum and at the headquarters of the World Economic Forum, there is a quote that is prominent. And this quote is attributed to the Rosicrucian-influenced cultist and hermeticist from Germany, Goethe. And the quote reads as follows. Quote, Until one is committed... There is hesitancy, the chance to draw back, always ineffective, concerning all acts of initiative and creation. There is one elementary truth in the ignorance of which kills countless ideas and splendid plans, that the moment one definitely commits oneself, then providence moves too. All sorts of things occur to help one that would never otherwise have occurred. A whole stream of events issues from the decision, raising in one's favor all manner of unforeseen incidents and meetings and material assistance which no man could have dreamed 
would have come his way. Whatever you can do or dream you can do, begin it. Boldness has genius, power, and magic in it. Begin it now. End quote. What is happening this week in Davos is that they are reaffirming commitments, pressing for faithfulness to the twisted chain of events that they have put in motion because they need everyone in lockstep. And this won't just be won back by some rally with General Flynn or some compromised Christian conference with a bunch of men who are taking money to push diversity, equity, and inclusion. This won't be won by just being against CRT. This won't be won by just getting your guy into office. No. This can only be won when faithful and honest men and women will take action and hold the companies that have participated in this twisted scheme with the World Economic Forum accountable. When men and women of faith remove the men who join with this global cultist movement and set a new path forward. When we, as a whole, demand that our governments and leaders step down and restore constitutional order, no one is going to do this for us. Restoring our world and our nation is going to come from us. And as sovereign nations, we have led the way in exposing this deadly strategy for nearly six years. Consider helping us financially and share our reports on Davos this week. Because we must win. I'm Michael O'Fallon, and this has been Public Occurrences, both foreign and domestic. Thank you.